Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor here at Rise. And behalf of, on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors, we're so glad that you're with us today, especially if you're with us, maybe for the very first time. If you're a guest with us, man, we're so honored that you uh, clicked on or maybe you're joining in with us for the very first time. And uh, I know sometimes you'll see a, a social media feed pop up on Facebook, or maybe you're Google searching right now for churches in your area. We, we think that you're here on purpose. And so I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. And here's why. I know when you uh, go and try out a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. And so we'd love for you to come check us out. Make sure you can uh, be a part of our spiritual family. That's kind of what we talk about here. Also, since most of us are watching online right now, we'd love for you to hit that share button and just let everybody know that, hey, that you're watching church. It actually helps us get the word out, and uh, you'll be surprised how powerful your influence is. So, hey, I'm your pastor. I'm asking you, press that share button. It's so helpful. Get the word out. We'd love for you uh, to do that right now. We are in the middle of a series called Happiness Is. Happiness Is. And the reason we're doing that is because, you know, this current season has really caused us to, to uh, uh, really struggle in finding true joy in our lives. And what's great about the Bible is that it often addresses many of the issues that you and I face even right now. You know, this is an ancient book that has a collection of books that you would think that maybe is not relevant to our lives. It's absolutely relevant, especially when it comes to finding true joy for your soul. And Jesus knew this. In fact, he knew this so well that one of his most famous sermons called the Sermon on the Mount, he started it off with a poem on happiness. You might not know that. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, and that's what we've been breaking down over the last several weeks. In week one, we talked about Jesus starting off that sermon saying, blessed, or we found out the word blessed there was makaros. Happy are the ones, are, uh, blessed are the ones who, um, who, who are actually poor in spirit. And that doesn't mean necessarily you're poor financially. It just meant that you are dependent on God. He said, happy are the ones who are dependent on God. Week two, we talked about happy are the ones who mourn. He said, Jesus, Jesus actually said, you know, the world says to be happy, don't mourn. Jesus says, actually, in order to be happy, you need to learn how to mourn well so that God can comfort you. We learned that in week two. In fact, go back and check out all these podcasts. They're great messages on how to find true joy. Uh, week three, we talked about happy are the meek. It really meant the gentle, that there's a gentleness in our spirit that can ultimately bring about uh, your and I's, really, our dreams, our hopes and dreams. All of the life and all of our hopes in the world can come to pass if we learn to utilize a gentle spirit and a gentle soul. Week four, which is today, Jesus continues his poem on how to be happy with Matthew chapter five in verse six. I want to mention this to you. We'll read it together. If you don't have your notes or maybe it's in front of you, it says blessed. He said blessed or happy. Jesus said are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. A powerful statement that Jesus says that if you're struggling and looking for happiness, you can find it in hungering and thirsting after righteousness. So if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is simply this. This is the title of my message, that you are what you eat. You are what you eat. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I thank you that today, Lord, you are, are truly giving us a word for our spirits. You're speaking to us in a way that, that maybe we, we haven't even fully understood understood, God. And I know that you've prepared notes for our hearts. I, I know I have notes, but but God, you're going to plant a seed of a good word that's going to bring about a great harvest. May our, our hearts be opened, our minds be cleared today to receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I was thinking the other day, one of the things that I've been struggling with the most inside this current COVID-19 season, you know, throughout the quarantine, and I know things are opening up now, but it's been hard uh, for the last couple of 
months not to go out to eat. Now, if that's you, put it in the comments. Let us know your favorite restaurant that you miss going to. And I have many because I, I'm, m people might call me a, a foodie, I think is what they call it. And, and one of the reasons I am is I just love going out to eat. I love going to restaurants. And, and I know many of you miss that as well. I love everything about it. I love getting ready to go to the restaurant. I like driving there. I like pulling in. I like uh, sitting down at the table, being around a bunch of people, hearing the hustle and bustle of everyone. I, I love food and just different kinds of food. It doesn't matter which kind. As long as there's no onions in it, I'm good. And uh, I love food. And one of the things that I do when I open up the menu, and I don't know if you're like this, but I look, the first thing that I look at is a section of food that is the most important to me, and it's the appetizers. Now, if you love appetizers, come on, let me know in the comments. Just, you know, click like or, you know, maybe say what your favorite appetizer is. How about that? Um, and, and there are many of them to choose from. And I love them at all kinds of restaurants. You know, you got the classic mozzarella stick. Come on, how many of y'all love a good mozzarella stick where you can kind of, I think they call mozzarella stick, right? It's my favorite Italian. Anyway, so anyway, so but like, you know, you can dip it in the marinara or you dip it in the ranch. It's hot. I mean, how can you go wrong with deep fried cheese? You really can't go wrong with that. And so I love it. You know, you got the mozzarella stick. How many of y'all like calamari, right? Yeah, this is really good. You know, that kind of deep fried calamari. I love that. You got your, your classic spinach and artichoke dip. Come on, how many all love just a, it comes out, it's hot, it's steaming, there's cheese all over it, and they come out with the focaccia bread. Come on, like you just put it on and just make your own little cheese sandwich. I love it. So good. Uh, but you know, the, maybe my, one of my favorites is the, is the breadstick. Come on, like you, I, I've just noticed like some restaurants will advertise, um, you know, unlimited salad, and breadsticks. Like you had me right there. I don't really care what I'm going to eat as long as I get the unlimited salad of breadsticks because you can just get that breadstick over and over and over again. But maybe my favorite, maybe my favorite, and you can maybe argue with me again, put your favorite in the comments below, but, but, but maybe my favorite is, is this particular appetizer and it's the, it's the chips and salsa. Now, now I get my, because I'm Mexican, which I'll give you that. Maybe that's what it is, but, but I can tell if the restaurant is good based on whether or not they have good chips and salsa. Come on, y'all feel me? You know what I'm talking about? Like if the chips and salsa are waning, there's no hope for the rest of this meal. There's really is not. And, and I always tell the restaurant, uh, you know, I always tell the server who's serving us, I'm like, hey, there's a basket of, of chips. I said, hey, just so you know, you see it get low, don't ask us. Just bring another basket out. Like, I know you got a bunch of them back there. I'll eat all of them. Just keep them coming. And so what I'll do is I'll just kind of go through the chips and salsa, and and that's really the highlight of the meal, honestly, if I'm being honest. But, but here's the problem with appetizers, regardless of the ones that you get. The danger is, is that have you ever noticed that if the, if the serving takes a little longer than normal, if you're not careful, you can overindulge on the appetizer. And most of us don't go to the restaurant for the appetizer. Come on, we went for the entree. And we can overindulge on the breadstick, on the calamari, on the spinach and artichoke dip, on the chips and salsa. And before you know it, have you ever had that feeling where you felt full, but you didn't feel good? You didn't feel satisfied? You felt like, man, I ate a whole lot of chips and salsa. Your meal comes out. You don't even really eat it because you had too much of the appetizer. And you can feel full and not satisfied. Jesus was actually addressing this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, when he was saying, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. The Greek word for filled there is cortazo. If you're, if you're listening, maybe you checked out, you clicked a link, check back in, and say this with me. Say cortazo, all right? Cortazo, and it means this. It means to be fully satisfied. He said that if you learn, and we learn, 
how to actually eat of the righteous things in our lives. If we learn how to hunger and thirst after righteousness and ingest and digest the right things, we won't just be full, we'll be satisfied. We'll find our lives will be a lot more, come on, full of satisfaction if we can learn how to hunger and thirst after the right things. Now, the interesting thing that he mentions there is the word righteousness. Now, you and I, maybe you you didn't grow up in church and you hear righteousness, you're like, I don't even know what that means. Maybe you grew up in church and maybe you've been around religion a while and, and you think you understand righteousness, but you, you might not understand what it means biblically. Biblically, according to scripture, righteousness means two things. Number one, it means position. It means a, a position, it, which is literally a right standing, being in, in right standing with God, that it's given to us as a free gift by God to us to, to uh, obtain a level of righteousness that we could not earn on our own. I like what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I like that. Like if you have, uh, you know, if you put scriptures up or maybe you're going to get a next tattoo, that's a great one to get. Because I'm just telling you, if you and I remember that on a regular basis that, that righteousness has been given to us, by our heavenly father through Jesus who had no sin but became sin for us on our behalf so that we might be in the righteousness. We have a position with God now, not because you were good, but because God is. And that's some powerful statement for us to always remember that we now have a position with God given to us by him. It's a righteousness that's given to us by God. But the second thing that righteousness is biblically is a practice that, that you and I can actually walk out, living out and living and walking in, in God's ways. Come on now. So that, so that you and I can actually not keep the position that we have, but to reflect the God that gave us that position in the first place. There's the difference. We don't act righteous. We don't practice righteousness to say we're holier than thou. We're better than everybody. We got it all figured out. We practice it because we're so thankful that God would even save. Come on, amazing grace. Saved a wretch like me. How? Come on. We're so grateful we can't. I'm on team Jesus. And since I'm on team Jesus, I wear his jersey. There's a way they do things. I'm going to do it like Jesus. I'm going to practice righteousness because he gave me a position of righteousness and I didn't even earn it. I'm thankful that he gave me that. So two biblical definitions of what righteousness is. And Jesus says if we would digest and thirst and we would hunger and thirst after this thing called righteousness we'll find satisfaction for our soul. So if that's the truth, then I want to give you maybe a few ways in our time we have left, a few ways to hunger and thirst after God. Because here's the funny thing. I hear this as a pastor. Some people will come up to me and say, Pastor, I'm struggling in my relationship with God. Hey, God, Pastor, I'm struggling with being on fire. They always just say, this is kind of a churchy statement. You might not know what this means. I always cringe when sometimes some people say this because, like, if an, out, you know, if an unbeliever heard this, like, I'm, I'm not on fire for God. I always felt like people would be like, man, are they setting people on fire in that church? Like, what's going on? You know, like, no, no, like, what they're saying is, is I'm struggling in my hunger for Christ. Like, I know I need to be a better Christian. I know I need to walk in with him more. I know I need to, man, be in the word more. How do I become hungry? How do I stay hungry 
for the things of God. I'm going to give you a few ways to how to stay hungry for the things of God because it's important. Right. If we can stay hungry for the things of God, then we'll be filled truly to our heart's satisfaction. Number one, how to stay hungry. Number one, how to stay hungry for the things of God is we need to get a revelation of the love of God. We need to actually get a revelation, a true understanding of how much God loves us. I like what Ephesians says inside uh, chapter number three it says, and may you have the power to understand, have this revelation as all God's people should, how wide, now you got to pay attention. Not, like, I like what Paul's doing here. He's, he's describing it now. He's like, you got to understand. It's wide. It's long. It's high. It's deep. Like he's trying to get us to get to a level of understanding and revelation so that why? Here's why. Then you will be made complete with all fullness. Everybody say fullness. We're watching this. Come on, say fullness. Like there's a full, there's a cortazzo in my life of all life and power, that if we can truly get a revelation of God's love, it's going to lead us to a transformation inside of our life. Now, there's a difference, isn't there? There's a difference between information and revelation. Information is simply a collection of thoughts and ideas. I mean, we can know about the love of God. That's information. But, but to truly have a revelation, revelation is an understanding that leads to transformation. That if you and I, it's a good question to ask, like, how do I know I have a revelation of the love of God? The revelation always leads you to a transformation in that knowledge that you and I would walk differently. Revelation leads us to transformation. We walk differently because we know in our bones and in our soul how much God loves us. Maybe the best way to describe it is, is I didn't get a full revelation of how much my parents loved me until I had kids. Come on, parents out there. You know what I'm talking about, right? You might be trying to wrangle all of them up right now. Pay attention to what I'm saying. I'm talking about a revelation. We're, we're talking about how to have a hunger for God. If you and I would understand how much God loves us, it leads us to transformation in our lives. It leads us to a happiness. And, and when, when I had kids, I understood truly how much my parents loved me. Like, I always knew about their love. They always told me they loved me when I grow up. You know, I love you, Aaron, believing in you. I always knew about it. But when I had my own kids come around and I started to understand the amount of sacrifice it takes to have a child, come on. They don't remember. They don't know that you had to stay up late at night making sure their, you know, their fever is not going to get too high. Come on. They, they know. They don't understand how many times you fed them in life. They don't understand how many times you saved them from getting ran over by a car. Come on, folks. When you well, come on. Right. When the ball ran out into the middle of the street, they don't remember how many times you had to make sure that they had a roof over their heads, how hard you worked. I mean, I'm getting a revelation of the love a parent has for a kid. And when that when I got that revelation, when those kids came out, I'm just telling you, I treated my parents way differently. I'm like, I'm so thankful for you. You should have got rid of me a long time ago. If I was anything like my kids, I'm surprised I'm still here, mom and dad. It leads you to transformation and a transformed life as a Christian. So what that means for us is if you and I get a revelation of God's love in our life, it leads us to walking out and being different for everyone else in the world. It just leads you to being different. It's a transformed, transformation life. Number two is this. We're talking about how to stay hungry for God. Number two is this. We have to stop eating trash. We have to stop eating trash. It's a great scripture. Um, that, that, that God speaks to us about. But what I, what I find interesting is, is most people who struggle with, with hunger for God don't have a hunger problem. They have an eating problem. They're eating the, the wrong thing. Proverbs chapter 15 says this. It says, a wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds 
on trash. If I'm full, listen to this, if I'm full of the wrong thing, I can't fill up with the right thing. I'm going to say it again because you didn't pay attention. You, you got distracted on Facebook. Some pop-up sh- showed up. Let me show you it. If I'm full of the wrong thing, I can't fill up on the right thing. And if I'm not careful, the world offers my soul and my spirit a whole lot of things to eat. And it's easier than ever to ingest it. And I've noticed that the people that who struggle with the hunger after God, you might not have a hung, you don't have a hunger problem. You really have an eating problem. You're eating the wrong thing. And if you're already full of the world, how can you be full and have a have a hunger for God? I've talked to many people who, who you know, they're pastor. Right? How do I get that hunger for the Lord? Which, by the way, I just stayed up ten hours watching binge watching Netflix and shows all over the internet. Now, is Netflix wrong? No. But, but an appetite is always determined by the level of fullness that you have. And if you're full of the wrong thing, you don't even have room. You can have a desire to eat the right thing. When I eat chips and salsa at the beginning of a meal, I can eat them until they're gone. And if I'm full with them, I, even if I, I wanted to eat the burrito that came out, the taco that came out, the entree that came out. There's no room left in my stomach to put into it. It's the same thing with our our spirit. You can't be hungry for God if you're full of the world. So the or in order for you to stay hungry for God, you need to stop eating trash. That's a word for some people out there that you need to be careful with what you're allowing to come into your Life. Number three is this, is this, you need to see Bible as food. You need to see Bible as food. All throughout scripture, the Bible calls itself, relates itself, uses language of food to describe the Bible. I'll give you one right here in Matthew. Matthew chapter four says, Jesus answered, this is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God, that this is soul food, like soul food for your, your, your soul. You and I need to regularly ingest this food so that we can digest it on a regular basis, that there's spiritual nutrients found in the word of God. And my fear today is that there are a whole lot of malnourished Christians out there who have not eaten and don't have a regular diet of the word of God. They don't know what's in this book. So they're walking around not healthy, not nourished with not the proper spiritual nutrients to keep them going. The, uh, about a few months ago, before this pandemic started, my wife and I went out. We were going to have a day out together. We got up early and we didn't eat breakfast because we, we I told my wife, I said, I'm going to plan. We're going to go get some food. Like, don't worry, we're going to get some food. It's going to be OK. She said, OK, no problem. Well, we go to the first store before we got food. And then I don't know if you ever get into like a rhythm. We went to this store and then we went to this store. But after every store, my wife would warn me. She would say, babe, I love you, but you need to take us to some place to get some food. I'm not feeling good and you're not going to feel good if I'm not feeling good. So you need to go make sure that we're feeling good. So like you need to go feed me. And I'm like, okay, babe, no problem. And then I went to the next store and then I went to the next store and she, every time she's so sweet. I mean, my wife, come on wives. Y'all know you're so sweet and gracious with us husbands. We don't fully get it. The first time you told us, you got to tell us like 75 times, like, Hey honey, like you don't understand. And she finally got to the point. She goes, she goes, listen, Aaron, I'm starting to get hangry. She used that word hangry, like with an H on the front, not angry. (laughs) 
hangry, right? So y'all, y'all just do that with me. Go, like, hangry. She said, I'm getting hangry, and you're not going to like what's going to come out of me if you don't feed me right now. She had to, like, look into my eyes. She go, Aaron, look at me. Take us to some food. And I'm like, oh, oh okay. I, I, I had to take. And so I did what every husband, I drove straight to the restaurant, right? We went and got some food and, so that she would not feel sick and not feel like malnourished in that moment so that she would actually have a good time. And what she was really talking about was the principle is that if, if I don't, like if I don't um, like ingest the right things, if I'm not um, uh, eating well on a regular basis, negative things will come out in my actions. And y'all have noticed that, like my wife was trying to tell me, if, if you don't feed me, bad things are going to happen, Aaron. And, and uh, oftentimes I see that with a lot of Christians. A lot of Christians will maybe come and get the word of God on Sunday morning. Have you ever noticed like some people are, this, are one way on the weekend and then on Sunday morning and at church and they're blessed and they're highly favored and they're really good. It's because they've had some good digestion. They were eating some good food, but then like they don't open up the Bible all throughout the week and they're a completely different person. And they're completely different in their actions, and it comes out negative. They don't, you don't even know they're a Christian. And it could be because they are not eating on a regular basis throughout the week. I hear this a lot. Sometimes people will say this at church. They're like, well, you know, like, Pastor, think it was a good word, man. I got fed today. I feel like I got fed. And, and I see that, hear that a lot from what comes like a church preaching standpoint. Some, sometimes I'll hear it in a negative fashion. You know, though people will say, well, I left that church because I didn't feel like I was getting fed. And, and I always cringe a little bit when somebody says that. And it's not that you don't eat. On the weekend, I, I think you do eat. I, again, I just shared that that's a good thing. Anytime the word of God is preached, you, you're eating some spiritual food for your soul. But here's the danger. If the only time you're eating is on Sunday, there's a problem. That this shouldn't be the only time that you eat of the word of God throughout your week. Could you imagine physically if all you ate, anytime that you fasted the whole week and then Sunday morning you had food, you would be a different person all week long. Come on. And then you're different now that you get some food and you get some calories and you get some nutrition in you. I'm telling you, there could be some ways in your life where the actions that you have coming out of your hands could be a result of the fact that you don't read the Bible enough. You don't digest this word of God enough. Scripture's not in you enough. And so I'm not saying don't feel like you need to come to church and not get fed. I'm just saying this shouldn't be the only time that you eat. Somebody say amen. All right. All right. Number four is this association. We're talking about how to stay hungry for God. Association drives appetite. Association drives appetite. Who you are around, the environment that you're around will ultimately dictate what you're hungry for. Did you know that? I've had the opportunity to live in different parts of the country. And it's interesting, anywhere you go, if you go to a different state and you live in a different area, they have different types of food. And it honestly, it drives, it drove my hunger. It's like when I lived in California, I'm born and raised, I live in California, in the Bay Area. Man, it was easy to eat like a rabbit. We all did out there. It was like, hey, let's eat granola and lettuce and vegetables all the time. We we're all trying to be healthy. And everybody's like a health conscious kick out there. And so it was good for my waistline. And I was really honestly super healthy while I was out there because most people I hung around with wanted to eat healthy things. That was kind of where the environment was. Then I moved to Missouri, and I didn't even know what a casserole was until I moved to Missouri. And I moved to Missouri, and now there was casserole, and there's Velveeta cheese and pasta everywhere. And I'm like, what is this? This is amazing. And I felt really not very good all the time, but I'm telling you, I ate some good food. There was a Missouri barbecue. I'm telling you, y'all know what I'm talking about. Then I moved to Texas, my people, God's country. And I'm like, now there's barbecue, Texas barbecue here, and there's good food everywhere, it seems like. There's Tex-Mex and Mexican food. I'm like, yes, and amen. There's chips and salsa everywhere. You don't have to go to a Mexican restaurant. It's just here. It's awesome. I love it. But, but I just noticed that regardless 
of where I, whenever I went to an environment, the environment helped dictate what I was hungry for. And if your union, I need to know our association will ultimately drive our appetites, a big influence. I like what scripture says about it in 1 Corinthians. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You get around negative people. You get around unrighteous people, you'll start to crave the unrighteous things. It's just how it works. Now, on the positive side, it works for our benefit. In Proverbs chapter 13, it says, walk with the wise and you become wise. He's trying to produce a principle saying, like, if you get around the right people, if you get around the right things, you strategically place yourself in the right positions and in the right environments and the right people, you'll be surprised how much you hunger and thirst after it. So if you get around righteous people, I'm telling you, you're going to start to hunger and thirst after righteous things. You won't, you won't start to go and do... Have you ever noticed, like, when you get around... Most of your and I's bad decisions in life, like, if you were to go back and audit, like, why you did something dumb or why you did something bad, it's because you got around the wrong person. It always typically started with, well, I had these friends, right? You're like, why did I do that, man? I was, oh, yeah, I was around the wrong person, and they told me to go do this, and they laughed at it after I got arrested. You know, you're like, it's just, you, you were around the wrong person. You were, weren't dumb by yourself. You were dumb in, in community. You got around fools, and, and, and the foolish drove your appetite to be even more foolish. But the positive works the same way, that if you want to hunger and thirst after righteousness, some of the best things you can do is get around righteous people, get around Christian people. Now, a caveat to that is, should you only be around Christian people? No, I think you need to have some relationships in your life that you're trying to be in the Great Commission and do what God asks us to do and reach people for Jesus, that you should have some people you're trying to influence to come to the body of Christ, to be a part of your spiritual family. I think you need to have that. But I'm just telling you, there's a tension in that where you need to balance it out and make sure you're consistently for your own soul around people who are righteous so that you and I can hunger and thirst after that righteousness. I just think it's, it's, a, it's a good thing for us to know. And as we wrap up today, I'm going to close with this final way to stay hungry for God. Final way to stay hungry for God is simply this, is to walk with Jesus. One of the best ways that you can keep the hunger and thirst after righteousness is to walk with the number one person who is righteous, and that's Jesus. And, and, and if association drives appetite, you and I need to be around God on a regular basis and be in community with Him, have a relationship with Him. I like what Scripture says about this particular principle in John chapter 6. He says, and Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. He says, you're talking about, I love the great word pictures here, hunger and thirst. He says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty, that there is a satisfaction that will come inside of your life. You will instantly feel full in a way that is cortazo. It will be fully satisfied. You'll be shocked how you will feel a rest and a peace in your soul, like having a great meal at a restaurant and coming home and maybe loosening your belt and saying, that was so good. God can give that to you inside of your spirit and inside of your soul if you just walk with him, that you and I need to be careful. We're not eating the wrong things that will ultimately lead us to a full life that is not satisfied. I was reading a story inside of an article, and I wanted to read it for you. It's a great word picture of really what my, my fear is, our society is, maybe you and I are, uh, in our lives if we're not careful. It says this is the Nardu plant is a, des a small desert fern found primarily in Australia. It's delicate in appearance, but it can withstand extreme heat, cold, wind, drought, flood. It's a very hardy plant. 
And if it's prepared correctly, so you can eat this plant by roasting the spores to remove the thiaminase. And the nardu plant can be incredibly hardy and a great source of nutrition. And the indigenous people of Australia use it on a regular basis. But if it's prepared incorrectly, if you eat it, it can be extremely dangerous. The spore cases that contain that thiaminase, it's an enzyme that prevents thiamine, which means it prevents you from digesting it fully and completely. And uh, you can actually get a condition known as beriberi, which is it has devastating effects on your nervous system, on your cardiovascular system, muscular system. It jacks you up. I mean, it's not a good thing. So they, they said this story about uh, these explorers named Burks and Willis, who were two famous Australian explorers. They were moving their way through the north part of Australia in 1861 and they were fed correctly the nardu plant by the indigenous people so the indigenous people prepared the plant gave it to them and it was incredible it was a great source of nutrition but as they were coming back through they didn't roast it the, like the the indigenous people did and here's what happened the food sat in their stomachs unable to be processed for their nutritional benefits and this is how the article ended this is powerful if you checked out check back in it said this it said so although they felt full they eventually died of starvation and the danger of all of us in our lives today is because so much spiritual food is readily available that if we're not careful we'll have full bellies and our spirits will still be dying from starvation. And you can almost already feel it in your soul. You can feel it when you're not putting Jesus in your life, when you're not consuming the Word of God, when you're not walking with Jesus. You'll feel like, man, I, I feel full, but I just don't feel satisfied. And, and, and Jesus was warning us. He was saying, happy are the ones Blessed are the ones who learn to hunger and thirst and eat the right things, for they will be fully satisfied. They will be filled. And if you're right now feeling full without satisfaction, maybe one of the five ways that you can hunger after God that I gave you can be a help for you to take a next step in Him. And that's my prayer for you today. That's the promise that God gives us. Where Jesus says, happy are the ones who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be fully satisfied.